13th chapter of Romans, verses 8 through 14. Hear the word of the Lord. Owe no one anything except to love one another. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandments are summed up in this word, love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. Besides this, you know what time it is, how it is now the moment for you to wake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we became believers. The night is far gone. The day is near. Let us then lay aside the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us live honorably as in the day, not in reveling and drunkenness, not in debauchery and licentiousness, not in quarreling and jealousy. Instead, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to glorify its desires. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let us pray. Lord, use your servants' lips and your people's ears and hearts that they may be wed, that the seed of your word might be planted and brought forth with a resurrection joy. Amen and amen. You know what time it is, at least most of the time. You know what time it is. If you don't know what time it is, then you at least probably know the time. In our Western culture, the time is maybe more important than in other cultures in the world because if we wait too long, we might miss something. If we're not ready at a specific time, then life continues on and we might get left behind. I will share with you this morning about the time I took a $600 nap. Remelson and I had been visiting his family in Haiti and we had a long way to go home. We stopped over in Miami and there was a seven hour layover in Miami. Neither one of us had had a hot shower or a really good place to brush our teeth in a long time. As we were on the plane, I was looking to see if there was any place in the airport that was going to be open. Uh, I would have gladly paid to join one of uh, those comfortable places where we could sleep and uh, get refreshed. And none of them were open in Miami at the time that we were going to arrive. I said to Remelson, you know what? I've been wearing this suit now for about 16 hours. It felt like I'd been wearing it for about 36 hours. It had been about 110 degrees in Haiti when we were there. And to say that I felt gross would have been an understatement. So we rented a car, and we just decided that we would go to the first hotel we came to. It's the Miami International Airport. Surely, surely there's a hotel nearby. And so we struck off in one direction, 
I don't know how many hotels there are near the Miami airport, but there is one direction that you can go where there are exactly zero. Normally, I would be able to have charged my phone and found one very quickly, but my phone's charge had gone all the way down to zero. It had, uh, it had turned itself off, and I had no charger with me at that point. And so it was just a mess. My charger was, was in my luggage, and the luggage was somewhere else. And Rimmelson and I, we, we drove for about 12 minutes, and we said we we're going to begin to, to move in concentric circles until we find a hotel. Well, we found a hotel after about 30 minutes, but it was not a hotel that I would ever consider staying in, and my standards are very, very low. We drove around for another 40 minutes or so, and finally we found a decent hotel. By that time, it was approaching 1.30 or 2 o'clock in the morning. It was so refreshing to put on some clean clothes, to brush our teeth. It was so refreshing to have a place to lie down, and we set alarm after alarm after alarm so that we would wake up at 5 o'clock and be at the airport at 6 o'clock so that we could make our flight from Miami to Nashville. I didn't hear any of the alarms, and neither did he. When my eyes opened just a bit, I saw sunlight streaming in through the window. I squinted down at my alarm clock that was there by the bed, and it said 8.15. I said, Remelson. He said, yeah. I said, the plane has left us. Remelson always has a different way of thinking about things, and his was more accurate than mine. He said, no, the plane did not leave us. We let the plane go without us. Which was true. I spent a little bit of time on the phone with uh, the airline. They quickly told me that all of the value in my ticket was from Port-au-Prince to Miami, and there was really zero value left in my ticket from uh, Miami to Nashville. So Remelson and I did what any tired people would do, which is we set another pair of alarms on our uh, alarm next to the bed, and we went back to sleep until 11.30. $600 later, we got our tickets one way from Miami to Nashville. You know what time it is. If you don't know what time it is, if you've got the time wrong, if you miss something, then you miss out on what you had planned to do. You miss out on what God has planned for you to do. You know the time, and Paul talks about this not in the sense of chronos. Chronos is, is the passing of time as you turn the hourglass over and chronological time falls and it's 30 minutes long or it's 45 minutes long or it's an hour long. This is not chronos that Paul is talking about. This is kairos, which is the right time, the right moment. The moment when something is to be done because if it's not done then, it will not accomplish what God intends for it to accomplish. The Scriptures say, at the right time, God sent Christ into the world. At the right time, when everything is positioned and 
ready to receive the Messiah of God, Jesus comes. And we are to know in our lives what the right time is, what the right moment is, what this kairos time is. Paul says, first of all, it is time to see our obligation. Let's look back at this first paragraph. Owe no one anything except to love, that love is agape, self-giving love, the kind of love that doesn't ask, what do I get out of this? but loves for the sake of loving. For the one who loves agape, self-giving love, the kind of love that gives and doesn't ask what anyone is going to get out of it, the one who loves has fulfilled the law. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandments are summed up in this one statement. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. Now, lest you think that Paul is on to something idiosyncratic here, lest you think that Paul is saying something that the rest of the Bible doesn't say, We can look, first of all, at everybody's favorite book of the Old Testament, Leviticus. In Leviticus, we find this. You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against any of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Why? Because I'm the Lord. If you are my people and I am your God, no grudge bearing, no taking vengeance, love. I've always wondered what would happen if I gave out index cards uh, when I was talking about this and and said, list all of the people that you are holding a grudge against right now. Some people, praise God, might not have any. I'm not sure I'd believe those people, but maybe, maybe the saints among us could say, I'm not holding a grudge against anybody. For, For some of us, it'd be, all of one side, and we'd have to turn it over. Now, the other side of that would be to make a list of the number of people who are holding grudges against you. Interesting experiment to see how it would go, but even in Leviticus, even in the Old Testament, we find this commandment to love neighbor as ourselves. Galatians says the whole law is summed up in a single commandment. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. James, you do well if you really fulfill the royal law according to the Scripture. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And back to Paul. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Love is the fulfilling of the law. Love wants for a neighbor what it wants for itself. Love listens to what a neighbor has to say. Love respects the work and the rights of a neighbor. One of the exercises that I periodically do is have 
the Ten Commandments next to me on the one hand, and then Jesus' distilling of that into love God and love your neighbor as yourself, and then the front page of a newspaper on the other side. I've got two screens in my study. I love having two screens because you can actually situate the Ten Commandments on one side and you can actually situate the newspaper on the other side. Uh, This week it was USA Today that I looked at. Occasionally I'll look at the front page of the Wall Street Journal or the New York Times or some, some other newspaper and just see how the stories interact with God's best for his people. Yesterday seemed absolutely bizarre as Kentucky Derby Day. Kentucky Derby in September. I kept looking throughout the day. Hashtag Louisville on Twitter. And, oh, there were lots of Kentucky Derby stories, but there were also the stories of the protesters and the ones who were protesting the protesters. And I thought to myself, as I was looking at these stories that if we as a people would actually agree to love our neighbors as ourselves, the world would be incredibly different than it is now. If we insisted that other people be treated like we would want our family members to be treated, the world would be very different right now if we agreed to love other people because when you speak you want people to listen to what you're saying what if we listen to what other people were saying one of the best experiences of my life was living in a small town where a woman in the town decided that the the diversity of races within that town didn't know enough about each other. And so on Saturday mornings, about every other Saturday morning, she would invite people to her kitchen. She had a couple of rules. Number one, you came ready to eat and drink coffee. Number two, she was going to cook for you. And number three, here's how it unfolded. The question was thrown out, How have you experienced racism in your life? And one person at a time spoke. Everyone else remained silent until everyone around the table had a chance to share as fully and as thoroughly as they wished. There were beautiful friendships and beautiful stories that emerged from that table And it all came from a willingness to listen to what someone else has to say about an experience that is different from their own. Love respects the work of a neighbor, the rights of a neighbor. When I look at the news reports of looting, when I look at at arson, at at buildings being burned down, if, if you love someone you're not going to steal from them. If you love someone, you're not going to set that person's property on fire. And we see this breakdown of Jesus' commandment in our society on, on many different sides. And we see that if we just knew the time, and if we just knew our own obligation to love others as we love ourselves, 
to want for others what we want for ourselves, to be heard, to be a part of something bigger, to expect certain things when we, when we are agitated and angry and to, to not put other things such as destruction of property and destruction of social norms into the mix. That's what time it is, dear friends. It's time for us to learn to live according to Jesus' commandment. It's time for us to learn to love others like we learn to love ourselves. And the second paragraph here is, Paul says it's time to learn to live honorably. Uh, look, at, look at the way he says it. It's time to wake up. I wish Remelson and I had known that. Five o'clock, we'd have $600 more than we have now. We didn't get that Kairos moment. We missed it. This is a Kairos moment for Christians. We can show the world what it means to love others, to wake up, to not live in the night and the darkness. We can show others. There's this contrast here between night and day, between the works of darkness and the armor of light. There's this contrast between what is honorable and what is dishonorable. And Paul gets to meddling here. He starts off on this grand scale of just loving one another, but what does it mean to live as God intends for us to live? It means being honorable in our actions. Not living the kind of life that parties all the time and doesn't really care what happens in the end. Not in reveling and drunkenness and irresponsibility. Paul says we're to be honorable in our bodily, contact, our bodily conduct. It's not in debauchery and licentiousness that we are to live. We're to be loving and faithful. We're to be kind and compassionate. We are to keep the vows that we make. We are to love as God intends for us to love. We are to be honorable in relationships, not in quarreling or in jealousy. Now, I know in this church there's never been any quarreling, but I can tell you that in other churches I've been a part of, there's been plenty of quarreling over this or over that. Paul says, put all of that away. If we're going to wake up, if we're going to live the life of love, we're going to be honorable in the relationships that we have, and we are going to put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provisions for the flesh to gratify its desires. Now, I don't always dress like I should. I went home the other day, and there's a tiny lazy streak in me when it comes to physical activity I need to start running again. I need to start. I, there are a lot of things that I could do. But if I'm going to change into, like, my outdoor work clothes, I have to go up two flights of stairs and then come back down. So I, in my church clothes, I mowed the grass the other day, which seemed good at the moment. But I've thought better about it since. 
because instead of going up two flights of stairs and changing into my proper clothing, now I've got to get all the dried grass off of my shoes, which is probably going to take me a little bit longer than climbing the stairs would have to begin with. Paul talks about putting on a certain kind of clothing. When John and I come out and in robes, you know that we're about to do church stuff. If you saw me out eating at Cracker Barrel in this robe, you would think I was mad. There are certain ways that we dress for certain things that we do, and, and Paul says, put on Christ. Have Christ around you, within you, inspiring you, holding you accountable. Have Christ giving you his spirit to know where to turn and what to do. Put on Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. You know what time it is. It's a Kairos moment. It's time to see our obligation as Christians and to recognize that that obligation comes as an expectation of living in light of the Lord who gave himself for us, of adopting this agape kind of love. You know what time it is. And when we leave today, if we love our neighbors as ourselves, then no matter how badly you want to talk about the person that lives across the street, if you ask the question, would I want them to say something like this about me? If that answer is no, keep your mouth zipped. When you go out to eat, and everybody's full and they don't know what to do because they're a little bit more full than, than they ought to be because it's Labor Day weekend and somehow everybody gets hungry Labor Day weekend and everybody's overworked and you get water instead of Sprite. That's one of those things that, you know, it's, it's almost startling. You're expecting Sprite and you get water and it's like, oh, I, I ordered Sprite, not water. How you react to that can reveal whether you love others as yourself. You know what time it is. It's time to take seriously the commandment of Jesus. It's time to show the world that we are the people of Jesus. It is time to stop acting like people who are angry, people who see only what they want to see, people who mischaracterize the intentions of others. It's time to stop living like the rest of the world. And it's time to embrace faith in the living Christ, without whom you cannot have agape in your heart, but through whom, if you will allow him to do your work, to do his work in you. You can be a person in the world that is different from 95% of the people anyone else meets. You can bless and not curse. You can love and not hate. 
You can encourage and not put down. You can be one through whom the light of Jesus Christ shines. You know what time it is. It's time to live as Christians. In a society that's on edge, it's time to live as Christians. To a world where fatherlessness is rampant, where mothers and fathers work multiple jobs just just to survive and pay for rent and food. It's time to be kind. You know what time it is. It's time to accept Jesus and to let his life flow within us and to let his love be the love that activates that love in our hearts.